You are listening to the Kelly Confidential Podcast with Kelly Wilkes. This is episode 21. to the Kelly Confidential Show, where we talk negotiation essentials and those crucial conversations empowering extraordinary women. Real women, real issues. Let's jump in. Hi, friends. Welcome back. This week, we're picking up the second part of our extended episode on workplace bullying. In the last episode, we covered the definitions of bullying, how laws do and don't protect employees how some companies enable bullying, and importantly, some of the feelings common to a typical bully, these being fear and loss primarily. I also made clear that there are some circumstances within which it's not appropriate to negotiate with a bully, and those are the situations where you are being threatened by or directly experiencing physical or mental abuse by the bully. Why is it especially important that we make this distinction? Because by agreeing to entertain a negotiation with someone who is physically or mentally abusive, we're placing expectation on the victim that they should compromise and absorb some responsibility for the resolution. And that simply doesn't work. And I can hear you asking, well, what qualifies as emotional abuse? Well, this would be the use of persistent, disparaging, sexist, threatening remarks and remarks purposefully intend, intended to humiliate or demean a person. This is why mediators and social workers expressly exclude mediation options for victims of physical and mental abuse with their partners, i.e. domestic violence cases. It diminishes the victim's experience, invalidates their feelings, and undermines their right to justice. And so in this episode... I was going to include a whole section on how companies should adopt a zero tolerance approach to bullies in the workplace, but I kind of feel like that's been done, talked about, right? We have the t-shirt and also because that goes without saying or should do, right? I mean, it's the equivalent of educators employing an immediate suspension for students pounding on each other in the school playground. Controversial maybe, but trust me, it gets the parents' attention immediately when their kid is sent home and they've got to suddenly drop everything to be home with them. And it also forces parents to collaborate on a workable solution for their kids. Again, every situation is different, but this method actually gets some results. So to be clear, this episode will not be focusing on how to escalate for resolution, i.e. running to the teacher. Um... Not entirely. There is one point I'll make closer to the end Um, and and or which you can bring legal third parties into the picture Um, because I've covered these subjects and I've provided resources in the former episode and, and I've given you some of that information in the show notes. Instead, it's about focusing on what you can do personally to help yourself and and some tips and insights to take away, certainly at the very least to think about, because I'm going to be really real here. Sometimes the teachers just simply won't come to the rescue. Just like sometimes the company leaders will hesitate and they won't parachute in to do anything meaningful about it, perhaps in your eyes, or at least anything that you can see directly. 
They may quote from their code of conduct policy and say they'll look into it. But unfortunately, my own experience and what I've heard from friends and colleagues who have likewise experienced workplace bullying is often that the bully really remains in the building, quite literally. So it comes down to how you want to work with people and the boundaries you set on how you want and need to be treated. Sometimes it can be through language where you literally set boundaries that perhaps look something like this. If you're going to speak to me like that, I can't force you to stop, but I'm entitled to be spoken to with respect and to feel safe in my working environment. So the next time you speak to me like that, I'm going to have to leave the room. And if it repeats again after that, I'll be submitting a written complaint. Now, again, everything is relative and it depends on what's at stake. But what I do know from having been in this situation with senior leaders twice in my life and having used language very similar to the type of response that I've just offered is that this type of response focuses minds. And while I know it is shit scary to say it out loud, it pays dividends because it demonstrates that you are not an owned object. You do not personally belong to that company or to anybody, and you have a right to feel safe and heard in your workplace. But we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here, so let's keep to the basics of how to move things forward. So our episode today picks up with the what next, which is how to move forward when dealing with a workplace bully, whether the bullying was one time or persistent. And we're going to break it down into three steps for negotiating your way forward. Okay, so number one, determine the value of the relationship and the resultant investment needed if you're new in post or if you need this relationship to continue. It is relative. It's important. If this isn't going to be a medium or long-term relationship, i.e. perhaps you're only doing a, um, you know, a consulting gig, maybe it's a couple of weeks or months of work, you can extend less leash and forgiveness of their bad behavior. And, and I forget, I use the word forgiveness relatively, you know, again, thinking of the former episode where we broke down what are some of the life crises events that might be going on for that person. So you need to think about all of that. Anyway, if you're only there for a short period of time, you can be more assertive. Um, you can be more directional in the boundaries you set, referring the dialogue example I, I used a moment ago. Okay, so start with the, the duration of the relationship and what that means to you, because the longer term the relationship, the more material it will be for you in your career. And that has a bearing on the path that you choose. Number two, change the way you listen. Now, remembering from our, our former episode on this and the lessons in that episode, that the common feelings that can trigger bullying behavior in a bully are fear and loss. Um, and that in such circumstances, especially where the loss is significant or persists for that person behaving as a bully, they're operating on diminished emotional reserves. And remember, according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, stage three, which is the loving and belonging stage of life, is the optimal mid-stage for people heading for 
enlightened or even altruistic behaviors. And most people managers are in this stage. These are people that can look beyond their own um, immediate needs to see the needs um, of others and help to foster and develop the needs of others. But when those folks have suffered a major loss or sustained grief, they can be set back to stage two. Not in every case. Everybody's different. But if it's really significant and it persists for that person, they can be set back to stage two, which is um, safety needs. The, the um, stage is called safety needs. And this is where an individual is looking for very basic emotional sustenance. You know, they, they need just the very basics met for them and essentially a safe harbor. So how do you approach this? Well, you can create that safe harbor by providing calm, fact-based, active listening, which demonstrates a non-judgmental forum. And you can do this without compromising your own needs to be spoken to in a respectful and balanced way. The very act of speaking in a calm, lowered tone and steering the conversation away from heightened emotions to action-based words will shift the energy into something more productive. For example, let's say you have a line manager who is speaking aggressively in a way to a member of staff. Reasons are unnecessary for this example. It's more about how to move past the behavior in this case. And so the line manager is acting um, unreasonably impatient, let's say, and, and, and is being a bully. So what can you do? You can acknowledge the problem and say something maybe like this. Okay, John, so I can see we've missed the deadline and there will be a financial cost to the company as we'll have to beef up the marketing budget for next month to compensate. We'll schedule a service impact review in the next two weeks to better understand what happened and address that. And in the meantime, let's remain focused and target the top two things we can do in the next month, in, in the rest of the month, to shore up our October marketing plan and enrich it to make it even more irresistible for next month. Janet and Dan have put forth one great idea already, so let's take a moment to look at that. Now, this is just an example, and everybody's um, industry and workplace is different. I've used this as a corporate example from a, a marketing campaign that's gone awry. But this is effective because it does three things. It acknowledges the pain, number one, right at the beginning. It acknowledges the pain. And it takes action both by committing to review what went wrong while simultaneously offering reinforcements, which are always important to leaders. It talks about shoring up the next program. And it shifts the negative emotion away from any named employee for missing the deadline by using the word we um, we miss the deadline to emphasize this is a team and it focuses on the work that others are doing and putting forward. So Jan and Dan in this example, think about a recent situation like this where someone was getting their butt handed to them and what options were available to shift from a blame focus and turn it into something productive. This offering in itself is a form of negotiation and serves the same purposes um, when dealing with bullies because if the bully holds their ground on this and they persist 
in looking irrational, emotional, and less leader-like, it falls flat. And one of the things we know about a bully is that they are very um, uh, image conscious. So um, they will not like the path that this is this is heading down. And number three, empower yourself to enlist help from your company, such as asking for an internal HR rep or other team member to join all future meetings or even a third party mediator to aid the negotiation if you're dealing with a persistent bully. Some of these are preventative measures as we've reviewed in the former episode. Some are reactionary when you need immediate help and relief from a bully. In terms of preventative measures, offering to help or volunteer to your line manager early on that you want to be part of anti-bullying policy setting and learning and development initiatives that underpin company values and ensure relevant and impactful workplace bullying training takes place and is documented, will serve you well. This is a game changer because it puts you in a power position right from the very beginning. Most organizations have employee code of conduct provisions for policies around this. And more recently, organizations, many organizations have mandated annual anti-bullying training. So make a point of asking about that to your line manager. And this includes any manager who is displaying these bullying behaviors themselves. It will make them think twice about their behavior. And so safeguard your position with this. Reach out to your local HR rep. Um, saying that you are interested in what it would involve to be a volunteer on this specific topic and do this before, before you offer the same to your bullying boss, such that when you do mention it to your bullying boss, he or she gets the full picture of what this means and that you're one step ahead of this behavior and you've already established a line of communication with HR. Now, please understand this. You do not need permission from anyone to have a conversation with HR. And this may especially serve you if you have inquired about volunteering options to help out on these topics. Now, as a reminder, if your bullying boss is using sexist, disparaging, or threatening behavior, you you just simply cannot negotiate with that. The reason being is because that means As the victim, you are having to absorb some of that responsibility to find a solution. And in those types of cases, you really need to report it to someone you trust and go from there, which could include a lawyer or even the police, depending on the severity of of the circumstances. Um, And refer my earlier podcast, um, the podcast just before this, which references the sites and agencies um, that can help you. In terms of reactionary measures and enlisting a third-party mediator, many companies these days do offer mediation for employees because they've determined that it costs less to try and help two employees resolve issues than it does to lose productive, talented people who quit out of frustration or desperation, or worse, may sue the company. Now, since we're focused on bullying behavior, the benefit of having an HR rep or mediator in the room is that it gives you an opportunity to air the behavior and have it heard and acknowledged by others, which in itself aids validation and the beginning of resolution and perhaps even some healing. 
And sometimes this doesn't solve the bullying problem if it's been a more persistent issue, but it can be a real enabler to restore confidence for the bullied employee and to galvanize them to seek more permanent resolution, either through a legal framework or to simply find another role in a healthier environment. And on that point, I think it's important, again, to be realistic about outcomes, because as I mentioned in the former episode, often persistent bullying by a manager um, or senior leader is an indication of institutionalized bullying. And in such cases, you must really ask yourself if it's worth staying in that environment. My experience of this has been that the institution will always have more resources than a single individual to ensure that they, the company, prevails, i.e. they will pay whatever it takes to maintain their reputation, which may mean they'll pay you off first before they will ever admit guilt because some old school organizations associate corrective actions, you know, which may very well be needed, but they will associate those corrective actions, including doing the right thing and investigating or even firing that leader with admitting guilt. So, and they don't want to do that. So think about what your happiness really needs to look like and plot your path from there. Because sometimes winning, and I say winning, you know, in quotes type of winning, means taking yourself and your talent and your productivity out of the situation altogether and finding a great organization that will celebrate your contributions. And don't underestimate the power of quitting in these circumstances. The ripple effect for the former employer can be wide. All right, guys, so that's the end of our episode on on this topic of um, workplace bullying. And I guess in conclusion, I really want to emphasize that regardless of where you work, whatever your position, however long or short your tenure, you have the right to feel safe in your workplace and to be heard and to trust the company leaders that have its employees' best interests at heart. By acknowledging its prevalence, understanding its psychological effects, and standing together to address this issue, we can create healthier work environments where every employee feels valued and respected. Well, that's all from us today. If you like these podcasts and you found today's episode useful, please leave us a like and a review and give us a share. Until next time. 